kids a good clap offering as they go too. Let's let them know we love them. It's good to see you little guys. Well, welcome all of you that are here with us today in service and those of you that are joining us online. We want to say thank you for joining us as well. And today is Easter Sunday and as Christians we gather today to celebrate the resurrection of the Lord. And I invite you today, if you will, join with me to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Please make your way there. We're going to read uh, several verses of Scripture today. And I've chosen a passage of Scripture that is not normally used on an Easter Sunday, but it definitely talks about what happened on Easter Sunday. And uh, I do want to say this, though, even as we are turning to that passage of Scripture, I know that even as we celebrate today, this Resurrection Sunday, um, I know that many people's hearts are heavy um, with the realization that things are not uh, maybe all that they need them to be in their own life and maybe within their own families. We know that there's a lot wrong with our world, right? There's a lot th- a lot of things going on, and uh, there seems to be so much um, animosity and hatred and just a lot of things that are like fighting back and forth in our in our world, and the fruits of evil seem to just be all around us. But I want you to know that in the midst of all of that, There always remains a constant, and God is always there. Just like that testimony Sherry shared, even in the midst of a situation where it seems like, you know, that young girl having tumors and it's such a bad thing, God still was right there in the middle of it. Here's the thing about life and God in the midst of it, is Jesus never, ever promised we would have an easy life. In fact, I want to remind you that he said, in this world, you're going to have troubles. You're going to have tribulation. Look at your neighbor and say, hey, you're going to have troubles. <laughs> but he doesn't leave it there. He said, but I came to give you life and to give it to you everlasting. So in the midst of trouble, there's always life. Now, I was in preparation for this week, for this message, I came across a story that happened 32 years ago on February the 27th. It was 1991. It was at the height of what was then known as the war called Desert Storm. A lady by the name of Ruth Dillo received a very sad message from the Pentagon. And it stated that her son Clayton Carpenter, private first class, had stepped on a landmine in Kuwait And it died. Well, she later wrote, she said, I cannot begin to describe my grief and my shock. She said, it was almost more than I could bear. And she said, for three days I wept. For three days I expressed anger and I expressed loss. And for three days people tried to comfort me to no avail because the loss I was going through was too great. 
But after three days, she received another message. This time, the telephone rang, and the voice on the other end said, Mom, it's me. I'm alive. Well, Ruth Dillow said, I could not believe it at first. But then I recognized his voice, and he really was alive. The message prior was all a mistake. And she said, I laughed and I cried and I felt like turning cartwheels because my son, whom I had thought was dead, was really alive. Now, I am sure none of you can even begin to understand how this mother felt unless something like that has happened to you. But someone who walked the pages of the New Testament understood how she felt because they experienced the same emotions themselves. Because one day they watched their best friend, they watched their teacher being nailed to a cross. They personally witnessed his pain as he cried out, I thirst. And my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? They listened as he finally bowed his head and said, it is finished, and gave up his spirit by saying, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. They watched as his body was taken down from the cross, and they watched them place him in a tomb, and all their hopes and dreams were buried with him. That was Friday. All day Saturday was even worse. And right now it feels like we're in Saturday. And all around us just seems dark. But church, Sunday's on the way. Sunday's coming. You see, the Bible says that on Sunday morning that some women made their way along the path that led to his tomb, wondering who would roll away the stone for him. But when they arrived, what happened? They found the stone had already been rolled away, and an angel was right there on top of it. And he said to them, you are looking in the wrong place, if I can paraphrase. You are looking for Jesus among the dead. He is not dead. He is alive. He is risen, just like he said he was going to do. Can you praise God for that? He is risen. And that is why we celebrate this morning when all the evidence is is all around us that, man, nothing is going on that's good. But church, I want you to know, in the midst of the things you can see with your natural eye, there are things going on that you can't see, but it's a spiritual eye. We've been talking about angels, and they're all over this place right now. And God is here. The Bible says where two of you are gathered together in his name, he is there in your midst. Amen? Now, in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, this is what I refer to as the great resurrection chapter. And I have titled this message today, Resurrection Transformation. Resurrection 
transformation. Now follow along with me. I've given you an outline to, to follow along with me here. We're going to look at 1 Corinthians 15, for those of you watching online, verses 1 through 11. And stay there in 1 Corinthians 15 because we're going to go to other verses there as well before we're done. So 1 Corinthians 15, follow along with me, verses 1 through 11. It says, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you, which also you received in which you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast that word which I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. I'm going to stop there for just a second. How many of you know that it's only in Jesus' name and it's only through what he did on the cross that we're ever going to be able to make it to heaven? He said the only way to the Father is through the Son. But I want you to know it says that we have to keep standing and holding fast. Look to that ver- verse 2, that if you hold fast, you, that means you've got to keep on holding on to that word. And I want you to understand something today. The devil is always going to try to make sure you let go of that word. The devil is always going to try to make sure that there's trouble around you. The devil's going to bring people around you that are hard to deal with. The devil's going to maybe even bring them right from your own house. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Fighting amongst yourselves. He loves that. The devil loves that. But God came to give peace. Now watch this, verse 3. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received. What was that, Paul? That Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures, and that he was seen by Cephas, or Peter, then by the twelve, and after that he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain to the present, but some have fallen asleep. In other words, when Jesus rose again from the dead, he was seen by all these people in church. On the day that he ascended to heaven, there were 500 people there on that mountaintop. 500 people watched him ascend. And church, I want you to understand, the way he ascended wasn't, now you see me, now you don't. The way he ascended was, he was standing amongst them, and then he just went. He just started rising. And they just watched him. They're just watching him. And they're watching him. Now remember, there's a, couple of, there's a couple other guys around there that's not a part of the 500, and they're all staring up here, and there's two other guys around there that are like, hey, what are you doing looking up into heaven? This same Jesus, in the way that he left, he's going to come the very same way. You know what's going to happen? Listen to me, church. In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, if you keep reading in that book, 1 Corinthians 15, the Bible says our bodies are going to be changed. In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. And a lot of times people have read that and thought, well, when the rapture happens, it's going to be now you see me, now you don't. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, here I am, and now I'm gone. No, it's going to be just like when Jesus left. I want to tell you something about the rapture. When it happens, people are going to see it. I mean, if you're ready to go and you know Jesus is Lord and Savior, and say we're here in the church, all of a sudden what's going to happen is your body's going to be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. This material body will put on a spiritual body that no longer matter won't matter. In other words, this ceiling that I cannot go through, even if I got a ladder and jumped up and tried to put my head through it, I would just get a bruised head. I wouldn't make it through it. But on that day, I'm going to be able to go right through it. Be able to see what the beams look like and everything. And people are going to see it happen. 
You know, you might be standing at a, a counter, you know, at Costco and, you know, checking out, and all of a sudden people are just, hopefully you're one of those that are coming up out of your, your breaking gravity. You don't want to be one just sitting there standing. Amen? This is going to happen. I'm just talking about things that happen in the Word of God. Well, i got to get back here. Here we go. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried and he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. He was seen by Cephas and then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by over 500, verse 6, at once, of whom the greater part remained to the present, but some have fallen asleep or died. Verse 7, after that, he was seen by James, then by all the apostles. Then last of all, he was seen by me also as by one born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles who am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God, but by the grace of God I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Therefore, whether it was I or they, so we preach and so you believe. Now, I'm preaching. Do you believe? Are you believing what I'm saying today? Now, watch this. Now, if Christ is preached, now this is so important. If Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say there is no resurrection of the dead? You see, there are some people that will say, I don't believe in all that resurrection stuff. Listen, if the resurrection of Jesus didn't happen, we may as well pack it all up, go home, and go, you know, find some Easter eggs somewhere. It says, if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty, and your faith is also empty. Or it's in vain. Do you see that? Yes, and we are found to be false witnesses because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he has not raised up, if in fact the dead do not rise. So what Paul is doing here is he is he's actually kind of getting a little bit, you know, tongue-in-cheek. I mean, listen, if, if, if Jesus didn't raise, rise from the dead, then what are we all doing? Church, that's what sets him apart from Buddha. That's what sets him apart from Muhammad. That's what sets him apart from Hare Krishna. That's what sets him apart from Joseph Smith. That's what sets him apart from every other religion in the world. He is the only one. And church, listen to me, it was undeniable proof. By those witnesses that were there, and not only that, by those who wanted him killed. Listen to me. When they put Jesus in the tomb, they sealed it with a Roman seal. And this wasn't a type of a stone you could just get a couple dudes and say, hey, we're going to roll the stone away. No. You couldn't do that. One angel did it. But now watch this. Go to verse 12. Oh, no, we did verse 12, didn't we? Now look at verses, verse 20 through 22. Paul goes on and he says, But now Christ is risen from the dead, and he has become the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep or died. How many of you lost somebody to death, and they knew Jesus as their Lord and Savior? Let me see your hand today. They knew Jesus. Guess where they are? They're with Jesus. The Bible says to be absent in the body 
is to be present with the Lord. Norm's in heaven. I miss him. But Gordon's in heaven. Amen. My Uncle Kurt is in heaven. Now watch this. For since by man came death, speaking of Adam, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. Now I want to ask you a question. How many in the room you have sinned in some way? Both hands go up. I've sinned in many ways. Paul actually said, you know what? I was the chief of sinners. You know what that means to me? He invented sins. I mean, I think some people, I've heard some people use words I've never heard before. That was like they invented a cuss word. I mean, that's not even in the vocabulary that I've ever heard before. That must be something new. People can invent things. I mean, it's, it's amazing what the enemy can do in a human being. But church, listen, it's amazing what God can do in a human being. Amen? Now, I want you to understand something. With all these words that we've read, let them ring in our ears, but I want us to consider some of the changes that the resurrection made in in transforming. There's a toy that is called a transformer. Guys, we know, most of us guys know what those are. A transformer. First of all, it's, it might be a truck. It might be a car. There's one. It's called Bumblebee. It's yellow, and it, like a, it's a car. But you make it into a, uh, like a robot-looking monster, right? It's a transformer. It, it's this way one day, but you can take it and make it something different the next day. But it's still what it was originally, and you can still make it that way. And see, that's what God makes us, is he makes sinners into saints. He makes a person who didn't know him to know him. He, and it doesn't change necessarily the, the, the personality, or it's still the same person, but it's a Holy Spirit-controlled person. Are you with me? I mean, it's a person that used to be uh, maybe a person of just great anger, and all of a sudden they're just the sweetest, kindest person. You're like, whoa, it's you, but it's not you. I like this you. And see, that's what Jesus does. He makes a likable you. Look it over at your neighbor and say, are you a likable you? <laughs> You're like, I'm not going to say that. Look at what I want, or look at, here's what I want you to, to look at today. I've given you four transformations. The first transformation is going to consist of two things. Are you ready to write just a little bit? Are you still with me today? I want to illustrate this by what Jesus did on the cross. His resurrection is actually to transform us from what we were into what he made us truly to be. The first transformation that I want you to write down here is before his resurrection. There was a transformation of the cross. That's the first fill in the blank. The cross, up until that day, was known as a horrible instrument of death. It was rough wood. It was soaked with human blood. 
So terrible was the form of execution that the Roman Empire had, they actually prohibited using that kind of execution upon their own citizens. The Romans would not crucify a fellow Roman. Crucifixion was only for the worst of the worst slaves and enemies of the empire. But today, because of what Jesus did and his resurrection, we put these beautiful crosses up in our churches. Steeples are adorned with them. Some of you will place them around a chain, maybe in gold, and they're beautiful. But I want you to know that in their original form, they were horrible. But when Jesus got done with the cross, he made it beautiful. There was a transformation in the cross. It became a, a, a thing of beauty. And when I see a cross now, I know Jesus is victorious. He's no longer on the cross. I always like the one that he's not on. I don't like the ones that I see him on because he's not on the cross anymore. Amen. He is off the cross and actually out of the tomb. And today, because of the resurrection, that cross has been transformed. Can you say amen to that? The second one there in number one is there was a transformation of the tomb. Everybody say the grave. Man, everybody fears the grave. They fear the tomb. You don't look forward to that. Right? Before the resurrection, for most of the world, the grave was looked upon as, that's the final chapter. That's the closing of a great door. Can't get out of that one. That's the end of everything. But, everybody say but. Because of his resurrection, we can rejoice today that beyond death is where life really begins. And we, we know that it will never end. Church, let me tell you something. Your life is eternal. Yeah, there's going to be a day that it is over here. But when you die here, you're going to live somewhere. There's only two spots. They both begin with H. And I want the longer one. But there's a way to get there. You don't, everybody, listen to me. You don't just everybody go there. And the reason everybody doesn't just go there is because sin has separated us from God. Isaiah 59 2, it is your sin that separates you from me. But if we will accept what his sacrifice was for our sin, what Adam couldn't do in the garden, Jesus did on the cross. And he transformed that tomb. Because of his resurrection, we can now not have to spend time worrying and fretting about when we die. Because when we die, it's going to be a home going. It's a home going. You know, how many of you remember Roy Rogers and Dale Evans? Okay? Dale Evans once said this. I spent most of my life searching for the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. And then I finally found it at the foot of the cross. 
All of our lives, it seems we work and we struggle to accumulate things that we think are important. But when we're dealing with death and what happens after death, you know what? All those things seem so important. They seem so inconsequential. What difference does it really make what kind of car you drive when you die? Is it going to be hooked up to a U-Haul to take your stuff with you? Even if it was, it wouldn't matter what kind it was as long as it got it there. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You know, does it really matter what kind of house we live in or what kind of clothes we wear? Because if we're talking about eternity, then what difference do those things really ever make? On one side of the resurrection, everything we see is temporary. Are you with me? Only the things that we see that we cannot see are the eternal things. And what a difference the resurrection makes. It transformed the cross. It transformed the uh, grave or the tomb. Number two, there is a transformation of time. Everybody say time. It's, It's before the resurrection, time was a limited thing. The Bible talks about the breath of life that we have right now. Breathe it in. Do you know that when God created man, he drew him out of the ground? Jesus drew Adam out of the ground. That's why we are made of dirt. That's why people can act like dirt, because you're made of it. How many of you ever get treated like dirt? Yeah. How many of you ever treat somebody like dirt? I mean, that dirt responds to dirt. I mean, that's your, if I'm a hurt, I'm going to hurt you. How many of you know hurt people are the ones that are hurting people? Do you realize the people that are hurting people have a hurt that they need healed. And man, Jesus had a, he had a knack. He had a, a talent of being able to get to the hurt. He did. Men, do you ever in the morning when you're shaving, do you ever look in the mirror and think, my goodness, I look old? Can I, can I get a witness? Man, I, I look like I'm getting older. I do that. I don't dare put my head towards the mirror. I mean, I, I keep watching these videos of me preaching, and I'll get over here at, like I did just, I'll probably have to bypass that part of this video because I already did it this morning. I go over here, and I read for a bit, and I come up here on the platform, and I just keep seeing this spot on the back of my head. It just keeps getting skinnier and skinnier, the best way I can say it. There's more skin. Then there is hair. And it just keeps growing. I'm like, man, I don't want to be a ball man. I want to be one of those guys that does the comb over, I think. You know, I got a little bit of hair here. We're just going to work with it and make it, make it work. Find somebody to plant me some more of that stuff in my head because I don't want to be a ball man. Now, if you're a ball man, that's okay. That, that's just how many you know? How many you know we all have different likes? Now, where did that come from? I don't know. But you know what? You can look at yourself in the mirror and think, man, I'm, I'm getting old. Maybe I'll take, you know, I'll just go to bed maybe tomorrow if things will look a little bit better. Well, don't count on it because, you know, that's probably the best it's going to be because you're going to be another day over tomorrow and then another year, and it's just keep on going. But listen, church, the, the transformation of time is that on this side of the resurrection, time is brief. We only have so much time to do what we're called here to do. Man, listen, we don't have time to be angry. We don't have time to get fussing with people. We don't have time to be fighting with everybody. We don't have time to just keep going around this rat race thing and this little wheel, and all we've done is we've, we've run our wheel today. 
What did you do today? Well, I ran around my wheel. I was angry, and I did all those things, and bless God, I'm just, no, that doesn't do any good. Amen? How many of you know that doesn't do any good? We got to let those things go. And let's just get a hold of what God's called us to do today. Jesus, what did he say? As we were watching that video, what did he say? He said, my last commandment to you is it's a new one. Love one another. And you know how he said to love one another? Just the same way he loved us. I want to ask you this. How has Jesus loved you? Did he make you become something before he loved you? Did he, did, did he require something of you before he loved you? Or did he love you when you were the most unlovable thing on the planet? He loved you in your sin, but he loved you too much to leave you there. And see, that's the thing with our current generation is, you know, it's like you just got to love me. You got to love me. Listen, I'm going to love you, but I'm also going to let you know the things that hurt the heart of God because I want him to be, I want you to be with him forever. And there's, there's one way, and it's through his son Jesus, and he died on the cross to break you out of that bondage and addiction. Can I get an amen? You see, on the other side, on this side, it's brief. On the other side, it's forever. And church, I'm going to give you another illustration. I've shared this before. I'm going to do it again. Let's say that there, this is the way I can tell you about eternity. If a bird could fly to the moon, if it was possible, and back, and take in its beak one pebble of sand every trip, and take every pebble of sand from the earth to the moon, until all the sand on the earth is on the moon. Every beach, Hawaii is going to keep them busy, just the beaches of Hawaii. And then when you're done with the beaches, little bird, there's a desert called Sahara. And you got to get all the Saharan pebbles, one at a time, all the way to the moon. Once that little bird's done that job... Eternity will have just begun. Just started. That's how long it is. You see, our mind cannot conceive it. But Jesus has transformed time through the resurrection. So we got a transformation of the cross. We have a transformation of the tomb. We have the transformation of time. Number three, we have the transformation of life. Now walk with me on this. Have you been listening to the messages of the world lately? Have you been hearing the voices of hopelessness, hopelessness and despair lately? They pervade our society. Suddenly, we have become so painfully and personally aware of the presence of terrorism on our planet that men and women of our armed forces are spread all across the globe engaged in what will undoubtedly be a prolonged battle against the forces of hatred and evil and the conflict between Israelis and Palestinians continues on and on and began clear back in Abraham's day with Ishmael and Isaac and is still going on. There are diseases for which we have no cures. There are problems in the home. There are children who are being abused. There are people who are sleeping on the streets. 
If you watch and you listen very long, church, you can be filled with despair. And, and, and if the only hope that we have is the hope that this world has to offer, then we have no hope. Because the message of this world is despair. But in contrast, Jesus said, I have come to bring you life. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, life. And that, he said, more abundantly. Listen, to show you how to live, to bring you hope and joy and peace and love and to give you a reason for living. Even if life is racked with pain, listen to me, if you know Jesus is Lord and Savior, it doesn't get you off the hook because the devil, he's after you to bring pain to you. He's after you to get you down. He's after you to get you depressed. Listen, after Elijah was on the prophet, the prophet Elijah was on Mount Carmel and he defeated 850 of the enemy. Queen Jezebel said, I'm going to make your life like theirs by tomorrow. And you know what? He ran away, and he was afraid. And listen, this man of God who had done an an amazing, miraculous thing, he saw a miracle happen. I mean, God answered his prayer. The Bible said by fire, it consumed the sacrifice. It consumed the wood. It consumed the water that was around that, that trench, and it even consumed the rock. And do you know what Elijah says? Elijah is so depressed after Jezebel comes after him, after the devil comes after him through Jezebel, he's like, God, take my life. Now I want to tell you something. The depths of depression that make a person say, I want to die. I want to kill myself or God, take me out of here. Those are strong, strong feelings. But he went there like that. That's why I'm saying this has happened to very, very powerful men of God. Moses said that. I mean, men of God. But listen. Even in the midst of loneliness, because I know Christians struggle with that. Even in the midst of sorrow, you'll be able to go on. Why? Because Jesus literally transforms life. Are you still with me? One more point. Here it is. It's the transformation of death. Before the resurrection, death was the end. Before the resurrection, death was the final curtain call. Before the resurrection, all we could do was mourn as those who have no hope. But after the resurrection, when someone dies, we mourn because we've lost a loved one. That we mourn as people who have a great hope if that person knew Jesus as Lord and Savior because we know Jesus is alive and we know that the promise of Scripture is that that person's alive too. To be absent in the body 
is to be present with the Lord. If their sins are forgiven by His shed blood, we have the promise of eternal life, everlasting. It changes the whole concept of death itself. And listen, church, it's not that we're one day going to get eternal life. It's on that day we receive Him as our Lord and Savior. We have eternal life. Boom. When I die, I get to go to be with Jesus. You see, there's a book by Henry Garrity called Portraits of Perseverance. And in that book, Carl was a very rich man who owned a great estate. And one of his favorite pastimes was riding horseback through his valley, looking at everything that he owned. And he would congratulate himself on his great wealth. And one day, as Carl is riding along, he comes up over a hill, and in the distance, he sees one of his tenant farmers. He's an old man named Hans. And it was lunchtime, and Hans had set a little table under a shade tree and was getting ready to eat. But before he ate, he noticed Hans bowed his head and folded his hands in prayer, and he thanked God for his food. And Carl watched this old man as he prayed, and then he looked at his meal. And Hans's meal was only a slice of coarse bread and a piece of cheese. And with a sneer, Carl said, if that's all I had to eat, I wouldn't even bother to pray. Well, Hans replied humbly, well, it's enough. And I'm thankful that God has provided it. Well, he was taken back by this old man's answer, and Carl turned his horse and prepared to ride away. But before he could leave, old Hans said, wait a minute. I need to tell you something. I had a dream last night. And in my dream, I saw a beautiful scene. And then I heard a voice. And the voice said, tonight, the richest man in the valley will die. Tonight, the richest man in the valley will die. Carl said, poppycock. I can just hear Scrooge. And he rides off towards home. But as Carl is writing, the words of Hans begin to haunt him. Tonight, the richest man in the valley will die. You see, up until then, he had felt quite well, but now he's beginning to experience a little bit of pain in his chest, and he wondered, well, could it possibly be true? Am I going to die tonight? And when he reached home, he called his doctor and told him of Hans' dream and the pains that he had been feeling. So the doctor said, well, it doesn't sound like anything you ought to be too concerned about, but just to put your mind at ease, I'll come over and I'll examine you. So the doctor did, and after the examination was over, he said, Carl, you are as strong as a horse. I mean, there is no way you're going to die tonight. And Carl said, well, I feel mighty foolish that I paid any attention to that old man's dream about the richest man in the valley dying tonight, but I just, I just wanted to be, you know, for certain. So reassured, Carl, he goes on to bed, and the next morning there's a knock on his door, and a messenger says, Carl, old Hans died last night. Truly the richest man in the valley, died that night. 
Paul wrote, O death, where is your sting? O grave, where is thy victory? Thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, the resurrection makes a difference. Do you know a philosopher once said that it's not so much a matter of what we have as to what we do with what we have that makes a difference in the world? Hans made a difference with what he had. Carl didn't. Longfellow could take a common sheet of paper. He could write a poem on it and make it worth $6,000. That's genius. A machinist can take metal that is worth only $5 and make it worth $50. That's skill. An artist can take a piece of canvas, paint a picture on it, and make it worth $1,000. That's art. God can die on an old rugged cross and redeem the lost from sin. That's love. God can take the lifeless body of His slain Son and raise Him to life again. That's power. God can take the sins of man and forgive every one of them. That's grace. And if each of us in this room today will use what we have, it'll shock us. It'll shock us as to what we can do with the help of God. Once we make up our mind to do something with what we have, that's wisdom. And that is stewardship. In conclusion, before things seem so important, but now they become pretty insignificant. Before, time was so limited, but now there's all eternity. Before, life was filled with despair, but now it can have meaning and purpose and direction. Before, death was the end, but now it's the beginning. So I want to close and I want to ask you this. If you happened to be Hans tonight, where would you go? We all have a decision to make. And it has to do with Him. Every person living in the planet, they just, maybe they're not aware. Maybe no one has told them, like what I've told you today, that they have a decision to make. I want to tell you something. It's the most important decision you'll ever make in your life. It doesn't matter what you drive, where you live, what you do, what color the carpet is. But it does matter, do you know Jesus? And I just want you to know something. If you do, you're among the richest in the world. Because you have everlasting life. But if you don't, 
if you don't know. If when you put your head on your pillow tonight and you never woke up and you're not sure where you'd be when you did wake up, you got a decision to make today. And I'm just going to make it as plain as I can. Jesus made it very simple. Do you know one of the last things that Jesus did on the cross was he handled a mocker with love. You see, he had two men on either side of him, and both were mocking him, saying, if you're the Son of God, get, us, get off the cross and get us off too. And you know what? One dude, he never quit. He never stopped. But the other guy, there was a second one, and they were both thieves. They deserved to be on the cross. Jesus didn't. And there was a thief, the Bible says, that ultimately said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And do you know what Jesus said? Jesus didn't say, well, you've got to confess me as Lord and Savior. You've got to get down on your knees and bow. You've got to do this, 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 and that. He just simply said this because he knew what that man was saying. He was literally asking Jesus to forgive him. He said, today, you'll be with me in paradise. And guess what? The first one that made it into paradise after Jesus was a converted thief that Jesus himself brought. See, this is what I'm saying. Instead of hating people, love them. Love's a better weapon. Bow with me. Father, all over this room, I pray that every heart will be made right with you. All over the, all over the Internet, whoever's watching this, whenever they're watching this, whether it's this year, 10 years from now, whenever, I ask, Lord Jesus, that you come into our heart that you forgive us, and that we're yours. In Jesus' name, transform us through your resurrection. Amen. Amen. Happy Resurrection Sunday. Have a great, great, great day. Go out there and make a difference. Love people because they need it. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you next Sunday. Have a great week.